Welcome to A House in the Air, a podcast of testimonies from people living in unconventional homes. Their stories wave together the hopes and struggles to find financial stability and freedom in the land of the American dream. I'm your host, Paola Escobar. Sue is our guest today. For how long have you been living in an RV? I've been living in my RV for six years. It'll be six years in March. How do you like living in an RV? That's a loaded question because when I was on the road, it was okay. The first two years were a lot of fun. Um, then the third year, not so much fun. Then the fourth year was really bad. And now that I'm stationary, I hate it. I'm trying to find a place to live. And I'm, why do you hate it that much? I'm just... I'm a, I'm a real nester, you know, and like I miss having the big dinner parties. I miss decorating the house full of Christmas stuff. I miss my gorgeous bed that I waited years to find. I miss my craftsman style furniture. It's, it's silly because it's just stuff, but I miss my stuff. You know, and here I'm so limited. I mean, I can have, what, two people over for dinner? Uh... It's like, it's just cramped, really. It's just cramped, and yeah, I just want to get out of it. Right. And what has been the challenge to transition back to uh, traditional housing? The challenge for me is the fact that I've got a cat and a dog. So many places that are available for rent, probably 95% of them are through property managers. And whether it's the property management company or the owner, I don't know. But they'll, most of the time it's no pets. Sometimes it's a cat or a dog. But very rarely is it pets allowed. And, you know, they'll... Even with dogs, they'll say there's certain restrictions like most places have. Um, the other challenge is that because I'm 72, I'm on Social Security. And when you deal with property managers, they want your income to be three times the amount of the rent. So, you know, if your rent's $1,500 a month, they want you to be making $4,500 a month. Well... <laughs> I don't even make $1,500 a month on Social Security. So that's the other challenge, you know, is proving to them. Now, technically, when I had my house, I sold, you know, I sold my house. So that money was all invested. I could go out and buy anything. But I don't want to because, A, then all my money will be gone. And B, then I'll be a homeowner again. And I don't want the responsibility of repairs and the financial responsibility of earthquake insurance and homeowners insurance, property taxes on top of your mortgage payment. So it, it's been very challenging finding a place. It's I've been sitting here for, in August it'll be three years and I, I can't believe that I've been sitting here three years and I, I'm just 
I mean, I find a place online because I've not physically driven to places to look. I'm just looking online to try to find something to go and look at. And it's when I find a place that checks off all my boxes and then I go to apply, it says, oh, it's already been rented. Or I call the property manager, it's already been rented. So it's it's been very difficult. It's very difficult. I'm, I'm really frustrated. Uh, I've even been talking to my shrink about it, how frustrated I get. And... Uh, I just want out, you know. And the funny thing is, when I was looking at houses online, I use Google Earth to zoom in, you know, so I can see the backyard, see if the people in the yard behind have junky cars or whatever, you know. You want to check out the neighborhood. And I was looking at this one house that checked off all my boxes, except one. So between my neighbor's... RV and my RV, we have, what, 15 feet, 20 Mm -hmm. feet, Mm -hmm. more or less, and I kid you not, some of these houses are not even that much room between them, it's just a house and maybe six feet or eight feet wide between the two houses, and I don't want to be that close, you know, this is close enough, Mm -hmm. almost too close, but I don't want to be isolated either if I was younger when I was younger I often thought I'd like to live out in the country someplace Um, but now that I'm older and then back in 2019 when I came back here I came back um, not only because I was sick and tired of Arlene but also mainly because I blew out my knee and so it wouldn't be wise for me to live out in the middle of nowhere at this age. I have to be smart about that. You know, if I need help or what if I fall and whatever, you know? Right. right. What are some of the advantages of living in an RV? Um, the advantages of living in an RV is if you're stationary, it's cheaper than living in an apartment or a house. Um, you don't have as much maintenance, you know, I mean, we all have leaks or whatever, but you get that in a house too. Um, if you're a good housekeeper, which I'm not. (laughs) Wait a minute, because with that, we're not going to be able to hear. We have to stop for a little while because of the noise. Another advantage of living in the RV is if you're a good housekeeper, it's easy to keep clean because it's so small. Right. Uh, probably the biggest advantage of living in an RV. <laughs> we had to transition to a location with less noise. So, advantages. Yeah. Um, okay. Of course, the biggest advantage of living in the RV is I can leave any time. If the mood hits, I can go, or a new neighbor moves in and I don't like them, I can leave. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that, that's the biggest advantage. Right. But that's it. Right. Mm. Share with us a little bit about um, what were you thinking when you moved into an RV? What was the process in your life? What made you take what take you to make that decision? What got me into the RV was um, I got divorced, and my husband used to hate traveling. 
and I always loved traveling. And I thought, how can I travel and see the United States and Canada? So I started uh, doing research and uh, I decided that was the RV. The way, that was the way to go because then, you know, I, everything, everything would be with me. I wouldn't have to unpack a suitcase, you know, that kind of thing. So that's how come I started RVing. And it took me two years to do the research and find an RV that I liked. And um, then it took me another, another seven months. Mm -hmm to actually get on the road. Mm -hmm. Once I got on the road, I remember when I was, when I first got on the freeway, I was absolutely terrified. And I was thinking, oh my God, am I doing the right thing? But after, you know, 20 miles or whatever, I was okay. But I, I also did take RV driving lessons. So I, I was more scared of being on the road for such a long time than I was of driving because my RV is very easy to drive. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then it was just a case of planning. Where did I want to go? What did I want to see? Uh, and that of course was dependent on the weather. I kind of followed the weather. So, um, there's a lot of, I saw an awful lot, but then there's an awful lot I didn't see, you know. I don't understand how some people, though, can do it for 5, 10, 15 years and just stay on the road that long. I don't understand how they can do it. Maybe it's easier if you're a couple. Because, like, in my case, I have to do the navigating, the driving, the sightseeing, the planning, the setup, the breakdown. And that was exhausting after... You know, doing it for four years. That's you did it four years? Four years. Wow. It got to me, and I was just like, no more. No, four years is a lot. So so blowing out my knee was like that catalytic converter that forced me to, you know, instead of me saying, well, maybe I'll keep trying, you know, mm -hmm. that was the icing on the cake for me. But it was worth it to... Yes, it was worth it. It was worth it because I got to see so much. As a single woman, especially a single older woman, um, there were times it was difficult and there were times where it was very lonely. Um, I think if it was a couple, it would be easier. Let's <laughs> close here, wait a minute. My cat and my son got into a house. Hi. He comes on, he, Gataiko comes up on the step. My God. And he comes up and all I see is his eyes and his ears because of the bottom of the screen door. Oh my goodness, really? He goes that far? Yeah. And then Layla sees him and she starts to bark. The minute Layla sees him and he starts, she starts to bark, Gataiko runs off. Oh my God, that's so cute. But the cutest one, I was I was telling um, Marcus one day. My son. The cutest one was Gatico came out and went in uh, under Jose's, you know, the fifth wheel part. Mm -hmm. The neighbor that lives in between Sue and myself. Mm -hmm. And sat there and meowed. And, you know, he's got that little tiny, little, 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 little
Mm-hmm. And he meowed. He was meowing for Tabitha to come out. Sue's female cat. That's so, sweet. so I let Tabitha out. And the two of them met. And they were playing. And they were rolling around on the pavement. Oh, and I was so like, oh my god. That's so They're funny. in love. That's my son, Marcos. I'm kidding. What? They're in love. They're in love. <laughs> <laughs> Marcos, you're fine. <laughs> So, what was your your favorite place that you met her? Oh gosh, such a big cat. He's got this little itty bitty you know. Um, What was my favorite place? I think Badlands National Park, which is in South Dakota, mm -hmm. was probably my favorite place. Buffalo just wandering across the street. And beautiful hills, and all different layers of color. Wow. Uh, in Canada, I went to a dinosaur park, a national dinosaur park, and that was good too. That was amazing. Lots of interesting places, like in Washington State, there was a place that's an Indian heritage site, mm -hmm. and it's called, a, they're called a buffalo jump. Mm -hmm. And so what the Indians would do is they would herd the buffalo, to this cliff and then the buffalo would jump off mm -hmm. and then they'd crash at the bottom of the cliff and then of course the Indians used everything, the skins, the mm -hmm. meat, everything. So that was a, a, a really good learning experience because there's a lot of them around and mm -hmm. most of the time, I mean, prior to me seeing it on a map, I didn't know such a thing existed. Right, right. Those were a couple of my favorite places and then there was one place that was an RV park. I think it was in Washington State. Um, and they have a barn dance. Uh-huh. And I thought that was just the coolest thing, uh -huh. you know, mm -hmm. to have a barn dance. And they have it once or twice a year, and I just happened to time it, you know. Uh -huh. So uh, so that was fun. What about, I mean, you have always parked your RV in an RV park, obviously, right? Or you have lived somewhere else, like maybe in a backyard or... No, 99% of the time I've been in an RV park. I, I tried boondocking. Oh, boondocking means you park someplace where there's no electricity, no water, no sewage dump. Uh -huh. um, so you're basically on your own. So I tried boondocking twice by myself. I was a little scared. Uh, but luckily, you know, my dog barks at every little thing, so that was my security blanket. And then I boondocked uh, one other time, but a friend was with me, so it wasn't so bad. Um, but most of the time, yeah, most of the time I was in an RV park. I spent a couple of times I spent in a friend's yard, um, maybe two weeks total. Uh -huh. um, but most of the time I was in an RV park. and. That is getting very expensive. When I started four years ago, I could easily say the average nice nightly cost was $45 a night. Now the average nightly cost is at least $65 a night. Wow. I can remember being on the freeway in Arizona and I was going to the RV park, and I forget how much the RV park was, but there were signs along the freeway advertising hotels, $39 a night, $49 a night. And I remember thinking, I could stay that, at that hotel for cheaper than I'm staying at the RV park. Uh -huh. 
Good time, Coach. Good time, Coach. Stop it. Come here. Sometimes he likes to watch. Yeah. Watch. Well, so you are... Because one of the questions for... I mean, for people that are ha are kind of happy living in their RVs um, are like, okay, so would you do you see yourself living in a normal house again? But you already kind of answered that. The yeah. answer is totally yes. Definitely, most definitely. Hmm. And and part of it is because of my age, to be honest. Um, I mean, yes, being tired of RVing was the big factor. The blowing the knee out was the dis, you know the the icing on the cake. But now at this age, it's like, you know, especially because I'm by myself. I mean, there's lots of people my age and older, but they're couples and they're still traveling. There was I remember when I was on the road hearing about this 93 year old lady that was doing it by herself. And she was driving a big class A like mine, 30 feet, by herself, 93 years old. Wow. But not So me. for you, kind of like the, the RV living is interesting. If you could be driving around, but when that dra that traveling around does, is not, it's kind of not possible anymore, then the RV living is not worth it. You it's know? not. So for you, what is missing is like the social, um, the social type of um, gatherings that you can have in your own house versus Definitely. here in in the RV, and the stuff that you that you miss. The some stuff, stuff yeah. that are uh, some RV parks, um, especially like the ones in Arizona and Florida. I've never been to Florida, but. So I've heard, uh, and some of them in Texas, but a l I know a lot of them in Arizona, they have a lot of functions, big functions. I mean, some of them have ballrooms and woodworking shops and, you know, lapidaries so you can grind your own stones and make jewelry and silversmithing and all kinds of social events. Um, so if you go to one of those kind of parks, you can stay busy and you can make friends. Um, but in this particular park, of course, we don't have even a meeting room, so mm -hmm. it's, it makes it hard here. If you're living long term in a place like you have, um, what are the kind of disadvantages of like living in an uh, RV setting? Define long term. Because long term some, is more than six months or uh, something. Okay. Yeah, because some people stay at an RV park for like a month at a time, you know. So for them, it's easy, you know that's their way of making friends and getting to know the area better. Whereas I was on the move constantly, mm -hmm. you know. Um, okay, so the re ask me the question one more time, please. Yeah, like what are the disadvantages or advantages that you have found in these uh not not about the rb itself but about the rb park living long, long term, term. okay yeah. um the disadvantages are everybody knows everybody's business everybody gossips you don't have a whole lot of room uh, around your rv um rules apply to some people and not to others those are my biggest gripes about living in an RV park. 
the advantage of living long-term in an RV park is you do at least make friends. And I think that's important. You've got to socialize and make friends. Mm -hmm. um, and that goes back to me at the beginning, moving around so much, I couldn't make friends. So it's long-term, you make friends. And like, you know, like my place and your place, when you sit long term, you can make it cozier. You know, you can do gardening and do put up a set up a patio sort of thing and just make it feel a little more like home. So that's, the, you know, another advantage of being long term. Okay, so that was it. That was the interview. <laughs> Thank you so much. I sound awful long term. So we used to have the most beautiful garden of the whole entire park until finally a few months ago she was able to find her dream house and she moved with her cat and her dog. I'm pretty sure she's having a wonderful time in her new home. We miss her here though. Well, thank you so much for being with us in our fourth episode of A House in the Air. This podcast is made by me, your host, Paola Escobar with music of Martina Jordan. I hope you enjoyed it and see you in the next one. Bye-bye.